everyone. Welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Today has been a day of technical difficulties here in the Televisions, the podcast studio, also known as my bedroom closet. (laughs) And I'm sorry, it might be haunted. I don't know. I've been, I thought it was the dryer being loud, but I turned it off and I hope this sounds fine. And you're all like, why does this girl sound crazy? But (laughs) there may be a ghost in my closet is what I'm saying. Well, you know, if there is a ghost in your closet today is good day for there, for him to be here because we have a guest. And so we can have multiple guests. I'm super glad that my audio is being a pill on the day that my boss has decided to come on the show. (laughs) <laughs> um, which means everybody say nice things about this episode and how great we are because my performance review is coming up. Uh, please welcome Nick Scalera. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Hi, Audio Nick. sounds fine to me, but we will see. Yeah. See, Mark. See. <laughs> anyway, um, so what are we talking about today that we've brought Nick on? Well, Nick only comes on for one of two things, and that is Call the Midwife or Ted Lasso. And considering that we talked about Call the Midwife last week, guess what time it is? It is time to believe. <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> okay. I don't know. We're, currently, we're currently in the third season of Ted Lasso, which we are all sort of assuming is the last season. But Apple refuses to confirm one way or the other. And the show itself does not really appear to be telling a story that feels as though it is going to wrap up in a series conclusion satisfying sort of way in the next seven episodes so what do we think people how are we feeling nick gets to go first because he's the guest okay fine well well well, two things i think i have some theories as to that related to the fact that it might be coming to an end based on some clues that are in the episodes. But what that end means oh, is... Lord, are you like in a Reddit forum about this? Please let <laughs> oh, us know now. Yes, I have been. I, I, I actually talked to a psychic and um, <laughs> I was given three clues as to where Ted Lasso is going. And I, I, I they've all happened so far. So I think I know. But um, so that's that's one thing. Um, but also, um, and we'll get into this, um, not super satisfied with the quality so far. Let's just leave it at that. And we'll talk more specifics as they go on. I think the three of us are on kind of like a range of how we feel about this third season, just so you guys can pick your teams going into this discussion. Uh, Nick is pretty strongly anti-season three. I am, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Middle of the road about it. And I think Annie likes it. I don't know. Well, okay. First of all, um, I want to go back to your first question about... um whether or not Ted Lasso seems to be ending. Um, because what Jason uh, Sudeikis said, and I think this is very important, is that this particular story is ending. That doesn't mean that the world of Ted Lasso is ending. Well, yes, but that's code for the show is called Ted Lasso. If it continues, it's going to be something else. It's going to be like the Roy Kent bullying hour or something, <laughs> which is a show I would watch. <laughs> Do not front. I'm just saying that, you know, the fact is, is that this was sort of a British that this show has very British sensibilities. It does a Christmas special in August. It it very much thinks of itself as a British show. And in that it built itself to only run three seasons. Um, But it's on an American streamer. 
Well, the thing is, is that I fully support that. I fully support that. I actually mm-hmm. think that's smart. I think there mm-hmm. are so many shows that could really benefit from figuring out when it's time to hang it up and just doing it. But if that's what's happening here, they are doing it very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's a level where he's being pushed to sort of split the baby, as it were, mm-hmm. that he yeah. basically has to keep the show going, but he really wants to end the story as he meant to. And so part of what we're seeing, part of the the bumpiness of this is trying to serve those two masters. So that's my first observation. My second observation, and I really want to talk about this with you guys, is how bloody long these episodes are. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is supposed to be a comedy, people. Why are these episodes 50 minutes long? Can I just tell you that episode two was longer than... The Last of Us's finale. And I was just like, this is not okay. I haven't watched The Last of I've watched. I haven't watched The Last okay. of Us. So I, that doesn't mean anything to me. But the episodes are too long is a point I agree with. It, it's like saying that, it, that it's longer than a Game of Thrones episode, basically. But part of the problem is that the episodes are too long because they're trying to put too many stories in it, which, again, is the confusing mixed messages of if the season is ending. Because if the season is ending, we should be hardcore focused on the core characters. I love Keely, would die for her. Do not care about her PR company or all the weirdos that work there. Do you like that she hooked up with Jack? I, I actually am curious about that. Uh, you know I'm a Royal Keely, a Roy Keeley shipper for life. I mean, okay. I'm, get some girl, go ahead. But I, one of my problems there is I feel like if this is the end of the show, Roy and Keeley are very clearly endgame. So how are they going to, A, explain to me how they broke up, how that all happened, B, put them back together in a way that is satisfying narratively and emotionally in seven episodes, which is what we have left. Okay. So, I mean, but I love Keely. I didn't need all that. Like, just I'm talking about like just stuff we could jettison to make this tighter. If this is the end of the show, why has Isaac gotten three lines in five episodes? Why does Sam have no arc to speak of? Like, why is Danny so one note? Why is Zava there? Why is Keely's dumb PR for there? Like, why is why are they inserting all these other things instead of finishing the story they started telling? Could it be simply my theory on on the length of the episodes is much more simplistic than than yours, Lacey. I think that it started as a half an hour. It got to be a huge cultural hit. And suddenly it was like this show is more important. Thus, it needs to be longer because in season two, we already started to get some of the bloat. It was a much tighter season, I would argue. But but I wonder if there's just something that to that, right? That like you it started as a half an hour comedy. Now it's a prestige dramedy sort of. I know. Now you can like buy Richmond outfits on Nike.com. <laughs> right. I mean, I know they're not called outfits, but whatever they are. Kits. Kits. That. And um <laughs> you could also buy Ted Lasso ice cream at Jenny's ice cream. Um and I got many, many emails about that. That that flavor did look good though. <laughs> Okay. I'm just saying. There's a Ted Lasso Build-A-Bear for everybody looking for even more tie-in merch. He's got a little mustache. <laughs> I, I, I I would buy a Roy Keeley Build-A-Bear marketers if you're listening. Where is that? <laughs> um, I will say that there had definitely been some episodes that needed to take off one plot point before it left the building. Um, I think episode two is a really good one for that. Um, but I genuinely loved the opening episode. I thought oh, that... Oh, hated it. I really? thought that was the weakest of the season. I thought the season opener was just the weakest episode of the whole season. Wow. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I can't decide if I think the season premiere was the weakest episode or the one that just aired, the the one where Keely and Jack make out. 
Okay, well, we'll get back to that. Let's start with the premiere because that really surprises me. I really, of these episodes, I feel like we started high and we've been sort of... No, I thought the second episode was the was the best of the first batch. Hmm, okay. Um, so, I, 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 Nick, how about you? How did you feel about the premiere? Let's start there. So... I'm going to preface everything I say about Ted Lasso with this this McSweeney's article that I found on the internet. Okay, so when season two, <laughs> there was a bit of a backlash like against... Ago. Yeah, there was a bit of a backlash against uh, Ted Lasso from some critics in season two. And before I say anything negative about the show, I just need to repeat this headline. Ted Lasso is a shining example of kindness and decency, and critics who disagree should burn in hell forever. <laughs> Which is- I mean, I don't know if any of you guys follow the fandom... I don't know if any of you guys follow the fandom online, but this week has been really rough in terms of like the fandom reactions to things. And I, there's a lot of that going around. There's a lot of that, like, oh, you just mm-hmm. don't understand the 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 like larger mission of Ted Lasso or something. I'm like, dude, it's right. a comedy that they made out of like a commercial. It is not that serious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, th- but listen, we are trying to prove Paddington Bear wrong. Here, <laughs> right. Okay? It's like punching a teddy bear. Right. That's the way you feel when you pick on Ted Lasso, and um. But I have to say, like, part of the reason why I'm so disappointed is because my expectations, I think, were incredibly high. And I came in to this episode one thinking, all right, like, this is this is potentially the last season, as we talked about. I'm expecting this thing to come out of the gate with, like, all guns blazing, all the storylines on fire. And I was just bored, bored, bored for the first episode. Um, And I was like, this is not set up well. The the part of the premiere that felt really... um... Ted Lasso to me that felt like truest to the show was their dump trip to the sewers. Like that is perfectly like on point on brand Ted Lasso for me, where we go to this really ridiculous, like to prove a very basic point about like teamwork and togetherness. And I thought that was great. I thought almost everything else around it was blah. Like, um, I don't know. So Zava is supposed to be Zatlin, right? Yeah, Zlatan, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the is the yes. guy they're sort of comparing. Him I don't to. I don't know who that is. Okay, Eve, okay, he is he is so famous. Even I've heard of him, um, in this world of soccer, um, mostly because no I don't. Idea. As you can see, I've only ever read his name. I did not actually know how to pronounce it. Um, and I really I I'm a as a plot device to sort of replace. Roy as the bad guy or replace Jamie as the bad guy to have again this this cycle of a of a player that everybody thinks is kind of the savior and who then turns out to be not the savior um I I can see where that felt like a rerun to some people but I thought it was pretty funny and I liked it oh no I loved Zava weirdly enough I loved Zava I thought Zava was great Right. And Zava Zava's not the first episode. I th- yeah, I I Oh no, Zava's a- the second episode. Sorry. Right, right. Um I thought Zava I- was great. <laughs> well, I here's here's what I would say about Zava. I have to make two comments. I mean, number one, it's completely preposterous that a team like Richmond would ever get a player like Zava. I don't care about wanting to be a messiah. Money is money and they wouldn't have the money. So there's that. So I got sorry. Right. So suspend disbelief. Let that stuff go. I'm trying to let that stuff go. As it turns out, Zava is a is a very pleasant surprise as a character. I mean, I think they they actually set it up very like they spend a ton of time setting him up as an egomaniac, a player sort of like Zlatan, who's gotten in all kinds of trouble for 
criticizing teammates and being the center of attention. And Zava is actually not that. He's kind of a weirdly inspiring character. And honestly, like when Ted, as Ted goes through his continuing funk, it's Zava who seems to be the leader. He has the leadership. He has the ability to inspire these players. And honestly, I was I did not see that. That was a, a pleasant surprise for me, actually. I know. I was ready to hate Zava, but I really liked him. I thought he was like cooler than I thought he would be. He was actually sort of a likable character who like loves his wife and the office and doesn't mind all of his teammates fangirling over him. Like he goes to Sam's restaurant opening and isn't an expletive about it. Like he's not the character I thought he was going to be. And he's certainly not as off-putting as Roy was in the beginning. I, Even I know I love Roy because he read A Wrinkle in Time. But, <laughs> um, but um, I thought Zava was a really nice surprise. But Zava, for me, the arrival of Zava really ties into one of my biggest complaints about the season, which is Rebecca. I'm sure there's plenty of things we could talk about with regard to Rebecca. But I feel like her sudden unhinged obsession with Rupert is a real backslide in a lot of ways for where the show had gone with her character. And now she literally does not do anything except obsess about Rupert. And I love Anthony Head. I am a Giles person from way back. Buffy forever. And I get why they wanted to make him a regular on the season, but I don't know why, because he has nothing to do. Except like lurk in hallways and wear really great outerwear, which I always appreciate. <laughs> But, like, I don't know why suddenly Rebecca's story has become all about Rupert and that and, like, the scene of her yelling at Zava in a men's toilet was so cringe to me that I didn't know what to do with my feelings. Um. So the thing is, is that I feel like um, Rebecca and Rupert are supposed to be sort of a, a, a corollary to Nate and Ted. And that, really? uh, that's how I sort of feel like they're supposed to be like, I feel like, you know, we have we have Ted and Nate who are head to head and Nate is really. The show absolutely does not present Nate and Rupert in the same way. And I will come back to that in a second. But continue. No, but I feel like they're, we're supposed to be sort of comparing them and contrasting how they're relate that they're both in antagonistic relationships and they're both on teams that are basically want to be each other. And I felt like this sort of came to a head a bit in uh, episode four. Um but where Ted kind of forgives Nate and Nate kind of hates him for it, I feel like there's a level where we have the anti version of that with Rebecca where she can't forgive him. I think, I think you are writing a lot of um, motivation onto Nate right now that the show has shown me no evidence for at all. Okay. Now, I have, now, seen, actually no, I have that... seen no evidence that Nate feels bad about what he well, did. Well, yeah. We should, we should have, like, we should definitely do a Nate discussion. Like, we need okay. to go full in on Nate, but let's, okay, let's let, let, follow okay, this actually, Rebecca thing. But we'll, let's finish the Rebecca thing. Okay. We'll come back today. Yeah. I, that's why I just think that the, the Nate, like, I would actually like it better, I think, if it were going down the way you just explained it, but that doesn't, I do not see any evidence of that on screen at all. Ah, Okay. That actually now I think we found the thing where I like this better than you because I think this makes sense because I am seeing a lot more and I think a lot of what I see also comes from that date that he had, the complete collapse of a date. Oh, where he takes this the Instagram model to that restaurant he's obsessed with? Yeah, and I feel like there's a whole lot of like really small things about Nate and his insecurities that maybe aren't playing so loudly to everyone but I that i've so been many sort of... thoughts on, i have so many thoughts on that but i want to hear nick's thoughts on rebecca okay um honestly like that's it's because i have this idea of nate and, and and ted that was how i've been reading anthony head and and rebecca um 
I I don't like the fact that she's baby obsessed. I don't like that. And I, I just like I like I said, I've been reading a lot of people's reactions online to this. And there's a huge segment of the fandom that is real head up about people being upset about that. And they're like, it's been hinted at since season one. I mean, I get that her marriage to Rupert was horrible and abusive, probably, and that he is probably the reason she didn't have children. But I also don't think the show has ever really shown me that she does not find her current life as a single wealthy soccer club owner to be anything that is uh, lesser or unsatisfying. So I I don't know. I just I don't really like the baby fever either. But I think the reason I don't like it is. And somebody's going to send me hate mail because I said baby fever, because that's what somebody was yelling at Linda Holmes about on Twitter oh, yesterday. Right. I saw that. But um. I think to me it all stems from the same problem, which is Rupert. Okay, listen. I haven't been able to have kids since I was thirty-one. I lost an ovary, and that was that. And I would, ne- and I was told basically, you aren't ever going to have kids. And you know, I kind of grieved it for a while, but I got over it. And I find when we have these sorts of conversations about um, women who are unable to conceive anymore, that there is a level where we don't treat it as realistically as it is to actually go through. And I think mm-hmm. that's what bothers me the most about this. It also bothers me a lot that she is, as you say, a rich woman who owns a freaking soccer club. If there is anyone in this world who can buy their way straight through that adoption process and not wait a bloody decade, that's her. Okay? So there are options here if she really and truly wanted a baby. Okay? And so that's the other thing that really bothers me is that there's there's a level where they don't actually consider the reality of what people consider when they can't conceive. Um, so those are my problems with the Rebecca storyline right now. Um, Nick, you were nodding at me. Yeah, I mean, I, de- I definitely agree with that. Um, I also just feel like the show, the writers haven't given Rebecca anything to do until me in- until this revelation that she can't conceive and then suddenly she gets a chance to do what's really a masterful acting job where you can just read it in her face but it's based on this really thin and sort of tenuous storyline that doesn't make sense as you were sort of pointing out and i also see it as um you know getting back to the sort of the 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 kind of the dualism of of two characters like i continue to read the rebecca thing um the desire to suddenly have a child which i don't think was well actually, you know, presaged in the first two seasons as part of this sort of overarching mania over wanting to beat Rupert because Rupert has, you know, with Bex, right? Now he has Bex and he has the ability to conceive a child. And And he's cheating on Bex. Rupert is truly just a grade A dirtbag. Yeah, it's it's a really bad storyline. I, you know, I continue to hold out hope that some of these weak storylines may pay off in some way we're not anticipating, but I don't see how you get there with this one at all. Um, Okay. It's just very unsatisfying. Before we move to Nate, I actually do want to talk about one other storyline that I am actually quite upset about. They started something with Colin and the fact that he is oh. closeted. And I have I had high hopes for that to actually like confront the the homophobia that is rampant in sport that is that in sports and in and in locker rooms and they haven't done anything with it and i'm real disappointed i needed that storyline to be i need that storyline to not be dropped i mean i'm assuming they're gonna come back to it but it is something that's been really clunkily handled yeah 
because it sort of feels like on some level the show realized gay people existed like over the hiatus. <laughs> right. And I don't know what to do with that. Like if I were going to pick a member of the team that I thought was in the closet, I don't know if it would have been Colin. Maybe. Well, I mean, that actually that's actually something I like is that he wouldn't he wasn't the one that I would have expected. And that I kind of like. Well, yeah, that's true. But it does it. But also, has Colin ever had a story before? Yeah, I don't know if I feel like Trent Crim having this. I, I think I think better of Trent Crim. He wouldn't do that. Oh, I love Trent Crim. One of the few real positives for me this season has been the inclusion of Trent and mm-hmm. and making him a larger, more organic part of like the team story. Mm-hmm. I also think Trent is um is family on some, in some degree. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's my personal like wild pitch as to where this is going is the, is I mean I'm sorry his hair alone says <laughs> he has a hair care regimen that like straight men are just not going to do. <laughs> so I I I love Trent. I think I think I'm hoping that the story will circle back to him somehow helping Colin come out or processes his whatever if he's a younger gay or something. Yeah, I think it'll I think that'll come back to it. I do think it is another example of the season's really bad pacing decisions that that happened and then got like dropped. two or three like two or three episodes ago and it's mm-hmm. literally never been mentioned again. I think that was episode was it episode 2 or 3? It was it was it was one of the it was one of the episodes where I was like really we needed a plot line to be taken off before we we went out the door today. I mean, babe, that's pretty much all of them this season. <laughs> right. They're all like 50 minutes and they don't need it. But I do think um the addition of Trent has been one of my favorite parts of the season. I love that actor, James Lance, I mm-hmm. think his name is. I love him. I am incredibly envious of his hair care routine. Spilled tea, <laughs> my friend. I want your conditioner. But I loved especially the subplot with Roy about how they both started their careers out as trying to be like you know, sort of edgy for attention and they ended up like hurting people and hurting each other and suffering for it later. And I thought that was really just really nice. That was really good. That's the kind of story that this show is so good at telling. Mm -hmm. And there aren't enough of, there's not enough of that. All right. So let's circle back to Nate because I, 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 I think now that I see that you are not reading Nate the way I am reading Nate, I feel like a lot of my confusion of why you guys didn't like, why you guys are so down in this season makes a lot more sense. Here's, here's what, here's, here's my biggest problem with Nate's story is that I feel like it skipped a step. We ended last season with Nate literally destroying the, the Richmond so. locker room mm-hmm dragging Ted's personal mental health issues in the press and leaving the team to go work for Ted and Rebecca's like worst enemy. And now the show seems to want to have it a little bit both ways with him where he still gets to be like very talented and coaching West Ham and Rupert gives him a car and he goes to parties with Instagram models and he doesn't really like it because he's not really that kind of person. But the show has never shown me where he has any regret or remorse about what he did to Ted and what he did to the team that he even acknowledges that it was something bad that he did. Maybe he doesn't regret it. I don't know, but it was a shitty thing to do. And I do not feel like there has been any acknowledgement from him that that is something that he did that was wrong. 
And a show like Ted Lasso is very, you know, into these big sort of like simple moral and emotional themes. Like when you do something that was wrong, you apologize. You feel bad about it. You say thank you when someone does you a favor. These kind of big picture things. But Nate just like, like, and he's also not stopping. He he doesn't display any remorse or regret. And he's still being a total expletive. Every time he talks to reporters and every time he does a press conference about how much Ted and Richmond suck and he's not changing his behavior. So why should I believe that he feels bad about what he did? So, no, I'm not in a I'm not in a position to feel particularly sympathetic towards him because he hasn't shown me he deserves it. It's it's. Yeah, go ahead, Annie. I mean, I, I'll, I'll let you go, but I'm just going to say that, like, although we both dislike the show, I, I have a completely different perspective on Nate this season, but I still dislike okay. the, the season so far. Okay, I, well, love no, 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 no. I loved Nate, and I actually felt really betrayed by, I felt really betrayed by Nate, too. Huh, okay. And, and the way that, that that character had been built up to secretly be, like, the villain in disguise was really, like, upsetting. And if you really feel that bad about what you did to Ted, maybe act differently. But he's not, so... Right, whatever right but there are Getting like i mean i totally agree with you we and we talked about this last season that it, they didn't do a good job of sort of giving good reasons why nate goes from the nicest guy to the most evil guy and like the you know the blink of a heartbeat you know uh and, and a heartbeat suddenly he is you know totally darth vader overnight seemingly and it's hard to figure out all the reasons for that so that totally agree with leave that there I do think in this season, I mean, they are very clearly, though, setting the redemption arc for Nate. And there are many, many clues that he actually does feel bad. And I'll give you a couple of them. A couple of them have been sort of like subtle. One is that I think you've seen this a couple of times where when Ted built um, Ted and his son built that state, the Richmond Stadium, and they built a little Lego dude of Nate. And he kept putting him back on the on the Richmond sideline. And then I think it was either episode four or five. Nate is playing that tabletop soccer game, which is called Subetio, by the way, Subateo. Um, and the Ted, the Ted figure falls off the table. And first Nate is like, yeah. And then he picks him up and he places him on the sideline. So it's sort of like, it feels to me that he does have remorse for Ted and he does have this weird desire for things to actually be the way they were, where Ted is on the sideline and Ted also wants Nate on the sideline. And I think, and this is my, you know, sort of crystal balling this, but I mean, I really think that where this is leading is that, you know, we could talk more about Ted, but everyone's talking about how Ted's going to go back to Kansas. Well, what if Nate came back to Richmond as the coach um, and his full redemption arc and his little Lego character is still on the sideline? I don't know. I think there's a lot of clues that there is re- that there is some remorse. Nate does try to apologize to um, in the elevator, and then he tries to, again, shake his hand afterwards. So there's definitely some remorse there, but. You know, it's no, been Ted confusing. Tries sh- Ted tries to shake Ted tries his to shake his hand. It, but Nate, and Nate, Nate storms off. No, no, no. Nate kind of has blinders on. He doesn't realize that Nate is that, that Ted right. is standing there to shake his hand until it's too late and he's already walked by him. Right. I also, um, I didn't notice the Lego thing. The things that have kind of stuck out to me are things like when all of those memes come out in the in the premiere and you sort of see Nate's face just kind of crumple a little. Or when he calls his mom and she says nothing he will do will ever please his father. And you see him just just shrink. Well, I mean, the answer here is obviously that Nate needs to go to therapy like a lot. But the (laughs) thing is, is that if you know, like, I don't know. I just think that if you know better, you do better. And he is not doing better. So that to me says he does not know better or has not or has decided to not choose better. I don't know if he feels that bad about it. Like, 
there are options here. Well, this is the question, whether he feels bad about it or whether there is just the sort of internal struggle between, you know, the angel Nate and the devil Nate, because we, you know, we see it in that it's very clearly, very clearly telegraphed in that whole date with Anastasia that goes wrong at the Greek mm-hmm. restaurant. Right. And mm-hmm. she blows I just him. I don't know off. why I'm supposed to feel bad about him for that. I'm like, you asked for this. Well, I mean, right. And I get I get not feeling sympathetic to Nate. I, I definitely sort of feel that a bit myself. But when he suddenly goes back to being himself, all of a sudden Jade, who would literally stare at him with unblinking eyes for minute after minute after minute, suddenly wants to sit down and talk to him. So it's sort of like the universe or whatever is starting to reward Nate for being himself, which I assume we should say himself is the the season one version. Um and we'll see that. I think we'll see that pay off. I mean, it's very obvious that it's going to pay off, which makes me think there might be another twist or two to this story. But I do think there's some remorse and or if not remorse, some indication that there is sort of the good Nate trapped inside that's still trying to get out. OK, Um. so, you know, you noted you noted a little bit that the that the soccer in this season is not very believable even though this is the season they got real teams <laughs> this is the season they got real teams they were actually at chelsea and they even every week on twitter they make little posters that are like afc richard <laughs> versus manchester united or whatever and they're like very dramatic legit looking posters they're they're adorable but you know so there's a moment in this in in the episode that just aired, episode five, where I actually had to stop the episode because I couldn't stop laughing. Where he turns around and says, "Are we ever gonna win another effing match?" And I just died because to me that 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 is like the line reading of the season. <laughs> Right? Like, I just, I was like, man, you just summed up. And I was like, is that why Nick doesn't like this season? Because I've been trying to figure out why you guys don't like it. And that one hit me as a, I remember to ask Nick about that uh, that line. I think it's so annoying that Ted has been a coach for three seasons and has not <laughs> even by, this. like, osmosis picked up any facts about soccer he still doesn't he know the offside little, rule there's a there's a thing about there's a thing in the i, I forget if it's a, it's the episode called four five one yeah that he actually like seems to have read the book finally when anyway. he start, he read like 10 pages in it and then gave it up right <laughs> okay anyway nick talk to me well i mean the the i have to sort of separate myself i mean the soccer scene the soccer is is very ridiculous this season. We talked about the Zava transfer would never happen. Okay, fine. The West Ham thing drives me absolutely insane because West Ham is not a villain team. West Ham historically is a punching bag team from the East end of London, which is a working class team that had a crappy old stadium. And, um, the crappy old stadium was like three blocks from the Doctor Who shop, just to bring it right. all back to Anglophones. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But then I walked past it, go into the Doctor Who shop, it, and it, it was, it was. I mean, it was a hundred year old decrepit stadium with you know with like rust and everything. But then you know they got to move to London Stadium after the Olympics, and so now when they want to portray West Ham, suddenly West Ham looks like the richest club in the world because they have the shining new stadium. It looks very posh. And if you're a football fan, and I guarantee any of our sort of British audience who know anything about West Ham, I just cannot wrap my mind around West Ham. Why are they the Hammers? Every time they say their name, I'm like, my cat's name is Hammer. So I think that it's Hammer's soccer team. 
I think it has to do with like railway spikes or something like that. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, yeah. but, but it is, you know, the, the soccer scenes look, and, and I would just say as a soccer fan, I would prefer to see less soccer in these episodes of Ted, of Ted Lasso because the scenes look terrible. They, they, they don't run right. They don't move correctly. Everything's too slow. It just, for me, it's a huge, huge distraction. And, you know, and lastly, it's just this, this whole sort of idea that like, um, you know, that, that vibes can win you a soccer game. It just doesn't work. They can't win a trophy on vibes. You need tactics. You need practice. Oh, but you know that, imme- I mean, immediately, as soon as I saw they were playing West Ham in like the fourth episode, I'm like, well, they're going to lose this game. <laughs> and of course, it's at West Ham so they can come home and win in the finale. Of course. At the dog track. Of course. But I, I don't think, I do think that, I mean, you know, the beard, I forget the guy's name, but he is a big football fan. And these guys know football and, and Brett Goldstein Brendan obviously Hunt, does. I Brendan Hunt and Brett Goldstein, they know football. And I think they're trying to make it as realistic as possible. So I think that there's no way that um, Richmond is going to come come back and win the title. That's not happening. The question, No, I don't think they're going to win the title, right. but I think they are going to beat West Ham in the finale. I think that because that has been telegraphed like very obviously. Right, right. I, I still give that. I mean, like I said, the, the stalker drives me nuts. I still love the story. I love the characters. I haven't been happy with the season. I try not to think too much about like the football realism, because if you do, it's like a nightmare. I do love their announcers. They're so terrible. They, those guys are actually I mean, the um the English uh, um announcer is actually they both th- both of those guys have been pundits for real, like announcer and pundit. They've done that job for real. But they they and that's interesting because they give the um the uh sort of the the pundit guy gets all the the joke lines, right? Yeah. Which are the names of Sava's three kids is the one right. that I remember. All that stuff. <laughs> Dirty, ugly and angry, I think. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm sorry. Um, Van Damme did make <laughs> me laugh. Right. <laughs> But does anyone else think that, like, I just feel that the the comedy has been so forced and so lame this year? Like, I haven't laughed, like, hardly at all this season. And I have laughed quite a bit in previous seasons. And I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if the shtick has just gotten so old. For me, it depends. It depends who's in the scene. Because there's so many, like, superfluous things happening. But, like, every scene with Roy and Jamie, I think, is incredible. And the whole bit about why Roy, why Jamie sleeps with a shirt on but no bottoms, I was like crying. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, literally everything with Brett Goldstein this season has been amazing. Like just his line readings of what he would do if he found out someone was bullying his kid was truly just mm. should be his Emmy reel. But mm. I also feel like the season hasn't know what to do with Roy, so he gets some great lines, but not a lot of anything else. I still don't know why he broke up with Keely. I, like, I'm glad he's mentoring Jamie. That's one of the few things that's working for me. And I actually really enjoy uh, the sort of evolution of their relationship over the three seasons of the show. I think that's great. But yeah, Roy pretty much consistently makes me laugh. Ted is not very funny to me right now. And maybe that's because Ted is a mess. Um, He but... and Beard have this thing where they've started shrieking and doing <sighs> hyena things. Oh, God, and I, yes. listen, as someone who has hearing problems and kind of has to have things a little loud. You have a very distinctive laugh as well. I know, but man, <laughs> those hurt. They hurt my ears. It's it's annoying. It's very annoying. And the, the, di- the, the, the woofing and barking for the diamond dogs, like, 
I, oh, I will always take the diamond dogs. I'm sorry. I will defend the diamond dogs to the day. I can't. I just can't stand the barking. Like it was funny the first few times, but do they really need to like? They're so all in on the barking. Yes, that's their thing. Leave the diamond dogs alone. <laughs> um, I, I, I do love the, I do love the running Simpsons references. Um, and I feel like I feel like there's almost a thing this season of spot the Simpsons references that's going on, and I can't figure out why unless there's going to be like some sort of payoff. Um, so I keep hoping that there there's a reason for that, and it's not just random. Um, I there are I think the things that make me laugh the most are Keely and Roy, though separately. Um, I'm and I I think I'm a little I think that actually makes me matter that they're not together because they are to me the two best characters. I just who asked for this dumb subplot with her friend? I I uh, who wanted that? I don't care. I am so, I am so glad you finally fired Shandy. <laughs> I mean, I, under- I know, but like, that's clearly going to be a thing that keeps going because she's still, because they're like, well, we definitely need to introduce six new characters in this section of the show for no reason. Well, I also, I mean, she just felt like more like bad comic relief. Like this is getting too heavy. We need to throw in a few joke lines. Hey, let's create this ridiculous character and just throw this person in. Um, that, that's, that's where the comedy is sort of failing for me. I mean, I, I think on paper, I think on paper, it's supposed to show us how far Keely has come because mm. of, when the show started, Keely right. was also a, a, what is it? A wag? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, and that's, that's, was her, the big piece of her identity too. And Rebecca gave her a chance to become something more and better than people thought she could be. So I feel like that's supposed to be some kind of reflection of her growth but also shandy sucks right so and i also just there's that for sure but I, and i don't have time for this if this is the last season i don't want this that's a great point and also it's like why would you t- so we had keely as part of the team why do we move her to an office i don't want to see an office drama of people sitting if i want the office i'll watch the office i don't want keely in the office with people on computers and there being like an accountant being like you know what's up with the, the cost I'm like, why are they doing this to us? I just don't understand it. Well, because then it also feels really weird. Like, why is Keely suddenly hanging out at Richmond HQ? Mm. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's again, just another decision that if this is the last season, this is a dumb decision. Well, I think Keely still has an account as a PR, some PR work for the team, I think. Oh, right. I think she does something for some of the some of the guys. Right. But, but I think we're moving still. her from the stadium. Itself. She could do that just, in in the she could do that in the Richmond offices. Right. Um, so can we talk a little bit just um before we because we're we're starting to run we're starting to run up on time. Um, so at the very end of episode five, Ted rips the already ripped believe sign. And we are supposed to, I think, sort of take this as a turning point. Um, at least that's how I felt. I don't know why, precisely. <laughs> no. <sighs> okay. <laughs> um, I just, sorry, I'm just really being difficult today. But I do think that we should also, after we talk about the sign, talk about the fact that we've talked for 40 minutes now and haven't talked about Ted once. Which tells you something, I think. Well, yes. Okay, actually, let's stop with the sign and talk about Ted. Um, because I do think that's a very good point, is that Ted is in a depression. He's in a funk. He's a, he's a, what, 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 what do they call him? A prep mess? Um, um, uh, prog mess. I know they, prog mess. He's prog says mess. he's just a mess. He's a prog yeah. mess. Ugh, so um, dumb. Stupid. Uh, honestly, like, uh, 
I, I think the idea is that Ted is supposed to end up going home at the end of the season because he's not happy. That's what I think is also going to happen. But I, I don't understand why a show called Ted Lasso has sort of forgotten that it's about Ted Lasso unless this is really the way to spin it off. And that, to me, I think is the the thing that I keep watching and seeing in these episodes that makes me convinced that even if Ted Lasso season four is called something else, you know, or Kent Bling Hour, like AFC Richmond, yeah, um, you know, I I really do feel like this is where he's trying to serve two masters, where he's trying to build up the show without him, so he can step away and finish this. And I, 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 if there is one thing about this season that I don't like, it's that. And it's not because I don't like the idea of us watching these other characters. It's the fact that I feel like this is actually something that, that they probably wouldn't have chosen to do, except that Apple is kind of making it be a thing. Well, I also, and I tr- usually try very hard to sep- do the whole separate the art from the artist thing, mm-hmm. but... I have got to wonder how much I don't know how many people listening have sort of followed the drama with his divorce, like oh, his real life divorce. Oh, I forgot all about Olivia Wilde. Thank you. And I just do not know. It is messy. It is bad. And I just like, is some of that bleeding over into the show? Into Ted? I don't know. I think it totally. I mean, I, I was going to bring this up, too. I think it totally does. And here's the specific scene when he has that, you know, uh, Zoom call or whatever it is, FaceTime call with his wife back in Kansas. And he's like, I'm really upset that you started taking up with the doctor. She's like, yeah. And she starts to cry. And it's like, it seems like wish fulfillment, right? It feels like Jason Sudeikis wish fulfillment. Like he can have the conversation with his ex-wife about her impropriety. Taking up with Harry Styles. Right. And get, and getting some satisfaction. Like, oh, I saw, I'm sorry. I really do love you, which is where this also seems to be pointing. A lot of folks have speculated. Is he not only going to go back to Kansas, but is he going to get back together? And um, I just can't like, like Lacey, I am having a heart, like the first two seasons or the first second, second season I knew about the, the divorce stuff, but I was able to separate it because it wasn't really that obviously part of a storyline, but this season it seems just really on the nose and it's uncomfortable. I think it if you is know uncomfortable. It. Um, I, I, you know, it takes a lot to, you know, sort of make to 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 sort of turn the world against you. But Olivia Wilde did a really bang up job of making herself not look good in this divorce. And that was splashed all over the papers during her movie, during her movie debut of Don't Worry, Darling. And I think that there's, I think honestly that there was kind of a a stroke of luck for Ted Lasso that it was delayed. And so that we didn't have a season come out last summer because otherwise these would have overlapped and that would have been real ugly. Um, that being said, I do think that there's a level where his divorce not being so prevalent in our minds and not having been so out there meant that it could sort of float under the radar in Ted Lasso and not us not make the comparison. And the fact that Ted Lasso is now airing after all that happened and after Spitgate and after whatever else happened that the Don't Worry Darling nonsense. 
right? Like, honestly, there's a level where you don't, where, where, where it's gonna, where, you know, maybe like, I don't know, my mother watching this wouldn't know that because my mother has no idea about celebrities. But at the same time, like, especially TV critics, especially TV reviewers, you know, we are in the entertainment ecosystem and we all had to live through that. I mean, I barely even fair follow anything to do with Harry Styles and I knew about all of this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that's probably unfair, but that's sort of, I mean, that's a thing that 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 they need to take into account. And I wonder if Sadukis wrote all this and they filmed all this, not realizing how much it would accidentally resonate and how much he would be sort of revealing to us. Because up until now, he'd been able to sort of, the public hadn't put the two together. Does that make sense? To sort of to sort of like take it back to Ted a little bit and a little less Jason, I also feel like again, something got skipped a little bit here as well, because we had se- seasons one and two have were were so I mean the cast got invited to the White House to talk about mental health because the show has been so focused on dealing with all the various problems that like our screaming brains can foist upon us. And I just feel like Every so often we get a reference to Dr. Sharon where he's like Zoom therapying her or whatever. But I also feel like Ted as a character has really stopped doing that. Or maybe the show. I don't know. So something about that work has stopped Mm. here. And I don't need Sassy to be the person telling him that he's too messy to be a boyfriend. I need like a mental health professional helping him unpack why that is. Does Mm. that make sense? Like I just feel like we sort of moved away from this is a serious topic that we are treating with like dignity and depth to this is kind of a joke as about Ted's sex life. I don't, I don't know. There's something about it that feels really off. Mm. And, and I don't know if part of it is because again, like nobody has faced any consequences for like outing his mental health struggles in the paper, like in the season premiere, I d- thought it was a really interesting choice that they had him kind of make fun of it um, to sort of counterbalance Nate attacking him a little bit over it but i also Mm -hmm. don't know if that was the right choice either because it's not like it's great to be self-deprecating i do it all the time i am absolutely a person who uses humor as a shield but i also feel like it indicates the show's not taking it as seriously i'm expressing this very badly but i am like this is part of the show i struggle with no i i I get where you're i get where you're going with this um and i i you know actually that that's that's something that I think I think there's a weight of expectations that the show maybe didn't know it was going to have mm. when it yeah, wrote like it did go to the White House to be like look at our great saviors of mental health conversation and we're like we're just a soccer show yeah I seriously doubt that any of the writers thought that when they were writing this season or that Trent Krim would be standing there you know I mean you know asking a I love question. you Trent Krim now freelance um <laughs> nothing wrong with freelance um i just i i feel like there's a level where the weight of that expectation wasn't there for them yeah. and so they're not playing to it because they didn't know they were going to need it but i know and it, but like just on a ted level that feels like such a big and important part of his arc that i am not super happy with how the show is handling in this first half of what is ostensibly the final season or at least if not the final season the final part of ted's story mm. like 
where is this going? Well, it's also to your point about mental health and how important it's become, you know, writ large with the show, whether it was in the it really meant to be in the scripts or not. I mean, I'm curious on your both of your thoughts on episode five, where it seems as if Ted has, quote unquote, cured himself of a panic attack, right? Like, so he finally he's starting to have a panic attack. He's looking at that pyramid poster and he realizes that he's thinking about his son. And that's what triggers a panic attack. And he talks himself off the ledge saying he's OK, he's OK. Then not too long after he gives this rousing speech that it feels like the old Ted because it's like, let go of your shame, let go of your ang your envy, let go of your fear, et cetera, et cetera. And I know he'd been texting with the psychologist or having some treatment, telehealth. But I, I just that rang a little strange to me. Like, are we supposed to believe that Ted has kind of cured himself? of his issues and he's making a comeback now or is something, you know, deeper going. I hope it's something deeper. I mean, I I kind of read it as maybe he's finally learned some of the coping kind of strategies that they give you in therapy when something like that is happening. Um, but again, the show has not been super clear about where Ted is in his mental health journey. Like I was really, I think taken aback a little by the fact that he started the season off so lost that to me felt a little bit like it came out of nowhere. Um, like his identity crisis or why am I still yeah. here? And I'm like, well, you're still here because you have to decide to go home, buddy. That's what it is. <laughs> but like, I, it's, I don't know. Like that felt very, that felt a really weird transition from season two to right now for, to, is he still feeling like that? I don't know. I feel like I just have such a bad window into Ted's everything at this moment and on a show called Ted Lasso, that's like not great. Yeah. That gets back to our sort of original point. Like, why aren't we thinking about Ted? Because like the writers aren't giving us enough to, 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 to bite into here. We don't know like what's going on with this. We know a lot more what's going on with the other characters to a certain extent than we do with Ted. We probably know the least about him in this season. Um, I also just um to note that uh, Siddiquers and Hunt are the, kind of like the main writers on these with uh, Joe Kelly. They actually didn't write any of the first five episodes. The first episode they wrote is the one that's coming up next, Sunflowers. Interesting. And I actually also think that that's... Um, I, it, it makes me want to see where the rest of the season is going because this is a 12-episode season and we are basically at the halfway point. And basically we have that trio writing episode six and then episode 12. And I don't actually know if they wrote any of the others i think maybe one uh, i think maybe one more i think maybe i think i read that was three but i don't know what the third one was um could you google that for me because i don't know <laughs> um but anyway i the point is is that like i also wonder like episode four was uh was a goldstein episode and that was actually i could see in a way that it was a goldstein episode that that's what that 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 him that i could see that in it and I'm wondering if the fact that they're that the writers' room is larger and we have a, a more uh, a expansive amount of writers is also why we're getting other perspectives and not honing in at the end like we should be. Um, and that's that's a bit. I, I know that's getting into the technical weeds, but it just it's it's just a thought that I've like not been able to shake. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's I mean, as it, likely as anything else. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And in, in yeah. fact, it gives it it gives it a better reason um, <laughs> than than what we might sus be suspecting, which is just that they don't know what the hell they're doing with this thing. And there's no organization. Um, 
Well, yeah. you know, there is always that. That always <laughs> there is always a level of that when a when a show that you do not expect to be a hit gets run away runs away. Unless you are someone who had like massive discipline and a real like plan plan, you know, like Which no I, one in TV does anymore. No one in TV <laughs> has that. I mean, honestly, like I I I I Succession basically Succession literally said the Succession's head writer literally said that he tried to get everybody to talk him out of episode three. Um so that they would do another season. And they all said, No, 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 no. You're right. It's perfect. Let's do it. And I mean that right there is proof. I mean, that was the best episode I've ever seen of that show. And he didn't want to do it there until everybody said, No, 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 you're right. We have to do it there. And then that was that. And that was the and and suddenly season four was the final season. <laughs> Um, speaking of final seasons, what do we think, since I know we are going to run a little long here, but what do we think, um, this is the end. What's going to happen? What do you want to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Nick. I, I want the spinoff to be Sam's restaurant. I'm sorry. Like I miss Sam so much. <laughs> like every time he, he comes on screen for a brief moment, I'm like, they, how do they continue to waste this? this actor and this character. I think it must have been because he was also in the prime video show. The yes. Power, yeah. And that's no, probably yeah. what he had to go make. And I would have rather watched him in this than the power. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay. uh, the power. It was such a good idea. It's, and the execution was and, uh, so not there. The book is so good, but the show. Anyway, this is not a, the power. <laughs> the book is great though. Read it. Continue. Nick. Yeah, I mean that's that's my I, obviously. I mean, I think it's setting up for. I just can't believe how much how big a piece of last season Sam was, and he's had like eight lines. Right. Yeah, and, I know. you know to, that is very frustrating. I mean, maybe, maybe Annie, to your point, maybe there's something about how the you know the different writers are going to take him in a different direction, and I do, and that that's what I hold out hope for. I was very disappointed in the first five episodes, but there have been some seeds dropped here and there, and what I want to see are unexpected turns. Like everyone is saying that. Ted's going to go back to Kansas and blah, like what that's the narrative. And like, please, I hope they find a way to subvert that. They must have the writers must have had a sense that folks were going to be expecting that. So I'll be curious to see how they twist that and turn it in a way that might be interesting, because if they don't, I'm not going to really be interested in spinoffs either at that point. You know, I'm just going to be like kind of pieced out on this a little bit um, moving on with my life. But um I still hold that hope. You know, I forget. I forgot it was 12 episodes. We are only through five. So we still have the majority of the season. And we have probably who knows, there could be hour long episodes coming up. I mean, why stop at 48 minutes? You know, why not go up to 54, 56? So we could have a, a lot of content left to go. So I still have hope. It's a lot of hours. Um, Let's see if I actually had to say um, what I want to see at the end of the season. I don't want Ted to go home. I don't want that. I don't know what I want, go, but I go don't home want... For no other reason that they have to explain why he won't be in the spinoff. I don't want Ted to go home. That's not... that. that <laughs> I feel like that's not... That would not be satisfying to me. I, I, I don't know what else I'd want other than, like, Roy and Keeley to get back together, goddammit. <laughs> um, but I don't want to see Ted go home. I feel like that is not... That that is not a satisfying that is that is going back, not going forward. It's it's a terrible ending. It's like the Sopranos restaurant. It's like you don't want you don't want that. No, 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 
no, no, no, no, no. I love the fact that he was shot in the back of the head. Nobody knew for 10 years. Okay, let's, let's do another whole podcast on that sometime. But yeah. <laughs> Who assumed he wasn't? What is wrong with you people? I know. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So honestly, like, I have to say that if there is one thing that... It, it, those are the two things I want. I want Ted not to go home. I want Ted to find a life in the UK and stay there. And I want Ted and I want Roy and Keeley to get back together. And if I have to have a spinoff, um, yeah, it's got to be Roy Kent. Oh, we're getting a spinoff, so pick your poison. I want Roy Kent, and I want Roy Kent with Jamie Tart, and I want Roy Kent with Keeley, and I want I, I want all the Roy Kent. That's what I want. Uh, I'm about to be such a downer, guys. Mm. Um. Here is what I think will happen. I think Ted will go home because I think that's how you get him out of the spinoff, but also because this is really a story about him learning to be a better dad to his kid. So I think in order to, I think he's going to go home back to America. I think he's going to, I don't know if he'll get back together with Michelle and I kind of don't really care, but I think he's going to go home. I think he's going to be like a more present figure in his son's life. I think the spinoff, if it happens, well, actually, I think a spinoff will absolutely happen because Apple has a lot of money. <laughs> and I don't, as much as my heart wants to watch Roy Kent, the television show, I think Roy Kent is a character who does not work when he is the center of a television show. I think he's better as a side supporting character who gets to be amazing, but in small doses. I think if we got 45 minutes of Roy, people would not like Roy so much. Um I think Nick's idea of Nate taking over the team, as much as I kind of find that vomitous, feels pretty likely. Um, what else? I think... I don't know. Maybe Rupert will go to jail for being gross. That would be nice. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that there is some... I think there this show will continue in some form. As much as I love Roy, I don't think it should be centered around Roy because I just... I think that's a mistake a lot of shows make when they make spinoffs is they take their really popular breakout side character and they decide to make that character carry a show and they're not built for it. Um, What I want from the ending... All I want is Roy and Keeley to get back together. Like, that's it. I don't really care about anything else. I'm assuming Richmond will not win the Premier League, but they will beat West Ham and they were not they will not get relegated. Um how much money does Apple have to pay to get them to do an episode where they play Wrexham? <laughs> nice. They should do that. That's a tie-in everyone wants. I mean, would Disney be would Disney be down? I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, I almost would want a spin-off just for the chance of us having to deal with Ryan Reynolds <laughs> as Ryan Reynolds as the owner of Wrexham. That that's an interesting idea. A very interesting idea. I do have to say, it's though. It's like the most diplomatic answer from Nick over there. Exactly. <laughs> um, I do think there actually is a great spin-off of Ted Lasso. It's called Shrinking. And it's a much better show, as far as I'm concerned. So I, you know, oh man, with 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 I'm sorry, I almost called her Han Solo with Harrison Ford, um, being Harrison being... Ford is making his money these days. We love that for him. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, Harrison Ford just how does he get hotter with age? This is like not even funny. It's weird. It's true though. Like anyway, He's a phenomenal. Um, shrinking is a, I have a lot of friends who really love shrinking. Um, even though I haven't the, watched the... it yet, but we're going to. The actual shrinking part, the actual like therapy part is um 
nonsense. I thought you were. I thought you were making a downward gesture with your hand, like "Honey, no. I Shrunk the Kids" style, and I was going to be really problematic right. if that were true. It's, but... it's like nonsense no, no, in no. the sense that soccer is nonsense in Ted Lasso. Yeah, yes. the, the, the the actual do not go in the way that we go into Ted Lasso, not expecting anything from 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 ther- from from soccer. Do not go into shrinking. Expect anything from therapy. It is exactly. nonsense. One hundred percent. But that's okay as long as long as you get past that part. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Anyway. I would also watch a spinoff about just Rebecca like going around Europe being fabulous. <laughs> and doing karaoke. I don't know what they're going to do with her. Like, because there's just only so much unhinged Rupert obsession. Well, we probably should mention take. if you want to see more of Hannah Waddingham, stay tuned right. to PBS coming up. Um, <laughs> her outfits in Tom Jones are... Mwah. And another Doctor Who connection, Pearl Mackey. Mm-hmm. Not bad. We so, got all but, our references uh, in. I know. We're plugging everything here, guys. I don't know. <laughs> this season is kind of, much like its titular character, a mess. <laughs> a prog so, A prog mess. I don't know. Does anybody have anything else that they want to share? Or do you feel like you got your feels out? I got my feels out. And now I need to talk to Nick about succession. So we should probably wrap this up. Oh, okay. So we should stop recording that. Um, <laughs> that's a show. For the week, folks, um, Nick, after you give me a really great performance review, where will you be online? Oh, you can find me at Nick Scalera talking about soccer occasionally and mostly about music. But if you're, if you're down for that, join me. It's like music from New Zealand. There you go. It's 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 a it's a corner of Twitter that is not at all like the other Twitter that you read about. I'll just say <laughs> that the only reason I'm still there. These are nice people and they they're nerd nerdy, nice people. Did you did you actually say your handle? Because I don't know oh, if I heard that. At Nick Scalera. Simple. <laughs> Annie, you're up. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on most social media sites. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. And you can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy butts uh, at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around uh, the internet. I write for MSNBC and CNN and all these different places, and I've been talking about Succession in a lot of them because I'm madly in love with that show. Um, and yeah, so just basically follow me on social media, and you'll find out what I wrote this week. Okay? Huzzah! I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I am also Lacey MB virtually everywhere else on the internet. So come and be my friend. Tell me how wrong I am. I don't know. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> if you just want the site or the pod, both are on social media at Telly underscore Visions on Twitter for a little while longer at least and televisions blog all one word on facebook if you like what we do we live at televisions.org where you can read our recaps reviews news updates listicles random esoteric thoughts whatever we feel like posting on any given day and if you enjoy that you can click on the donate button up top to help us keep making all that stuff for your eyes and ears you will also be able to get access to pbs passport which has so many early and exclusive binge opportunities for viewers of every stripe this spring. I'm pretty sure you can watch all of Tom Jones once that drops. You can watch the Sanditon finale before it happens. I haven't even watched it yet, so figure that out. Um, That is our show. As usual, thanks for listening. We appreciate all of you. Send us your cat photos at televisions.weta.org. We always love to see them. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Do something nice for a stranger. I don't know. 
it's springtime, maybe go outside for like the two weeks that DC is not completely a disaster. I don't know if this applies to where you live if you don't live in DC, but I hope it's nice there too. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.